I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. It's my privilege tonight to have a friend of mine from America, but really from here, but you're really from America. Here, I'll sit here for a minute. I'm going to invite her up. Uh, Peta and I have been friends for, I don't know, like eight years? I think eight years. And she came through some dear friends of mine who are Aussies named uh, Nathan and Sarah. And Nathan and Sarah have planted Iris Ministries Los Angeles, which is the extension of Heidi Baker, Heidi and Roland Baker's ministry. And they're based also with us. They've been a part of our team forever and ever at our church, just almost since we started, just a couple years after we started. And they introduced us to PETA, who once you meet PETA, it's a before and after moment. She just is a stunning person who loves Jesus and adds so much to everybody around her. And she just got finished with Iris School of Creativity, which went on for, I think, five weeks. You guys are like six weeks over the summer. And they had an arts track an acting track, film track, and a music track, visual arts, yeah, there's a bunch of things. And uh, they did six weeks, and then people come from all over the world who were learning in the daytime, incredible excellence technique, the whole thing. And at nighttime, they would have these just explosions of encounters with God that PETA was part of the team that helped lead them into these encounters. At the same time, PETA, being a minister, she's also an actress herself and has been in so many different series and so many different shows uh, there's too many to name, but I'll let her name some of the more current ones. But was an actress here in Australia as well and was in some series here. So some of you are going to recognize her from those as well. But I'm just so um, blown away that we got the chance to have PETA here because PETA has a rich God history. And I'm just so excited that we get to hear some of that tonight. It's going to be a real privilege for you guys. Can we do something? Can we just stand on our feet for PETA? Come on up. I think this may be the most awkward interview chair I've ever had. It's like I feel like I'm I'm falling down into it. But Peter, let's sit down. That's and talk. so funny. It auto-corrected my name. It Did always it? does that. It's so annoying. It means every time I get a text message from someone who has an iPhone, it's like they're yelling at me because of the organization. <laughs> hey, Peter. Yes. It did, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Oh, it, so it always sorry. does. Well. At least uh, you could still IMDB the right version of her name, which I don't think it was on there. Uh, this chair, I'm like swallowed by it. I'm a big person, and I'm, I know, it's a little bit you know, I need. It feels like a ride. Anyways, hey, <laughs> exactly. How are you? We're we're gonna really relax. We're both a little jet lagged. This is good. So <laughs> perfect. So uh, I want to start here because just you know our our history together, and, and she's also part of our prophetic team, and part of our church, and we, we just have a lot of cross-pass intersections. Yeah. But uh, I remember when you were on, I forget what show, I think it was the, not the, the originals. Yeah. It's like a vampire werewolf show, <laughs> and God sent PETA on the show, which I love. We have a lot of people who will do a lot of edgy shows. It's kind of edgy for Christians. Yeah. And I remember you were in the midst of that, and you're still, and it may not be the best place to start, but you were in the midst of that, you were having some of the... I, th- I believe it was one of the biggest God seasons of your life as well. There were so many things that were happening, yeah. and there was so much that God was moving you forward in. And I just, I really believe that, I'm going to just do a little prophetic moment real fast. I really believe that God has saved PETA for, to be a great light in Hollywood, to be a great light in the film industry. And she's had a lot of types of roles in different places, but who she is behind the scenes is what matters. Who she is and how she interacts with people behind the scenes. But tell us, because remember there's some God stories, and you don't have to go back to that show, but there's been some God stories on sets. There's been some God stories just in the journey of Hollywood. Take us on that journey. How did you get to Hollywood? Yeah, um, God is so funny, you know. He can just do anything he wants. <laughs> um, so some of you might know, uh, I guess I could start with just finishing off when I left Australia for the first time and arrived in what I didn't know then but know now is kind of like my land. Woo! Woo! Um, I was friends with Sarah and Nathan, as Sean said, and um, 
funny story. I lived with Sarah before she married Nathan. And actually, I met them because Nathan dated my older sister <laughs> when I was in <laughs> high school. <laughs> um, but very long story short, um, I don't really know how this happened other than I guess it's just like the Bible says, selfish desires born out of delusion. And be careful not to hide selfish ambition in your heart. We were kind of journeying together. And um, then they went to Pemba and, you know, started their journey with Iris and Heidi Baker. And then I took a job with Showtime playing a prostitute. And <laughs> yeah, and that's the box. Like, you know, Showtime, HBO, so you, you kind of know what that show is. And, um, yeah, and I kind of knew God, but I guess in hindsight now I, I think a lot of the way that I dealt with the Lord and the way that I came to God was really um, through performance because I just, I think I was really active in the gifts, specifically prophetically really early, but grossly immature and very broken. Anyway, ended up on this show. I was contracted for five years. Going into the second season, I just was like, what have I done? <laughs> this is so intense. I don't want to do this. I got married in that time and... Um, and God supernaturally got me out of my contract, which is just wow. amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. That doesn't happen very often. Just no, so you know. and um, it was really astonishing. I kind of, I wasn't even really talking to him at that point. Like I was, no, I was talking. I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah, um, good distinction. Yeah, <laughs> and um, anyway, really long story short, I just found myself in this position, and I went to the producers and I said, "Look, I, I can't sleep. I, I'm not sleeping, and I." I feel like a prostitute. Um, I, I don't know how to make the show anymore. Like, I just can't do it. And at that stage, because I wasn't really listening to God, it, it wasn't necessarily like, for God. That was always there, you know? And, and I did feel like, I want to do this for you, but I don't really know you. So I don't know if I can do this for you. But I, all I knew was that I couldn't continue on that path. And amazingly, they let me go. <laughs> I know it's it's really astonishing. They let me go. Actually, one of the one of the main cast. I was one of five main cast, and um, one of the girls got pregnant, and so it, it pushed everybody out of contract. Actually, is what happened. The dates wow. to go into the next season, and so they actually had to come back to all of us and say, we need to recontract the following seasons. And so in doing that, when they got wind of the fact that I was going to leave, then they upped the contracts and we'll do this, we'll do that. And I was like, do I really want to leave? Like, it's a lot of money and. It was a big job for somebody like me. I was the only person on the show who I'd never heard of, you know? Yeah. Like, and um, anyway, this is really beautiful, actually. Um, I, I said no and turned on the contract, and so I, I left. And um, I was sitting in Melbourne Airport waiting to go back to Sydney because I didn't really know where to go. I had come from Sydney, was shooting the show in Melbourne. And I was sitting in the airport, and I was feeling pretty down on myself. I had prostituted myself and my gift and I knew God you know yeah. and um, I completely disconnected from community and everybody I knew and I was like I don't know where to go and and that was my community actually like my friends on set my world in Melbourne and so I was just sitting in Melbourne airport inside the airport in the business lounge and I was just pondering this thing like what am I going to do and what if you're not real? And also, where am I going to make money? And, I mean, I had money in the bank from the previous season, but, you know, just everything was going through my head. And sure. it, inside the airport, inside the lounge, so inside, inside, uh, I was sitting at this little table, you know, at the windows, and a sparrow landed on the oh my table. And I get birds. God speaks to me a lot through birds and trees and rocks. But um, it's sparrow, and immediately, like, I just knew it was God. I hadn't connected with him for so long, and I just was like, projectile tear. <laughs> Bonk! <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, it's you. And uh, I was like, is it really you? And then a second sparrow came <laughs> and landed wow. on the table. And I just was like, I just started crying. And that's really when it hit me, like, what I, you know, what I had done and the shame that I felt and where can I go and how could you ever receive me back and all of this sort of stuff. And um, I kind of had my head down and um, I wasn't crying yet, but I was sort of trying not to cry, you know, like just in awe looking at these birds going, this is so insane. 
And um, I didn't even really know how to talk to God. And then he just said, do you want to know what I really think of you? Wow. And I was like, no. <laughs> you know, not really, because I think I know what you think of me. And because um, I felt like a prostitute, you know. And, um, and he said, look up and I'll tell you what I think of you. And I was like, I don't want to. And he said, look up now. And obviously, because I was in the lounge, I looked up and taxiing right across the window where I was sitting, this huge, like, you know what it's like inside a lounge and in an airport, was a massive 747 in red letters, virgin. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is so awesome. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I was just, then I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so basically after that, Pretty much every offer I got in Australia was a version of the same role. Um, on the show, I had, I had played a, um, a lesbian sex worker who was trying to have a baby. And um, anyway, so there were just different incarnations of that that basically just kept coming my way. And because it was quite, it was quite a high-profile show, um, there were a lot of offers that came, and I just kind of said no to them all. And I found myself in a place where I was like, I just feel like I've hit this ceiling in Australia, and I don't know how to kind of escape. The, repu- the, the singed reputation that I have. And, um, and so I came to America, <laughs> yeah. the place where everybody starts again. And I really came for myself. I was still not really listening to God at that point. I was talking a lot more to him and still not really listening. <laughs> but um, it's good to talk to him. Um, and I, so I came looking for an agent and, and whatever, and, and my friends Sarah and Nathan were in Reading. They were doing the school there. They had come back from Africa. They were doing Bethel Supernatural School. And I reconnected with them. And I was like, I heard you're in California. I'm coming out. I'm looking for representation. I just want to get a lay of the land and see if it's something that I'm even interested in. Um, and so I went up to Reading to, like, reconnect with them and see them, which was amazing. And I just encountered God, like you do it, Bethel. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just, I think I was there for about 10 days, maybe just under, like, nine days, maybe, and I just spent the whole time really on my face. I feel like that was the first time I really encountered the Father's love. Wow. I think before that, I had encountered, like, his presence and his anointing and his gifting and all of this cool stuff, and and that was the first time where I just... I remember walking in and he just told me he loved me and I was like, you love me? Wow. How could you love me? How could you love me? Like, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? How could you love me? And I couldn't even, I was on my face. I couldn't even look up and it was like, I think I'm a really kinesthetic physical person and so God really meets me in that realm physically and that was probably the first time I really encountered him physically. I remember feeling his feet. And wow. it, I felt like that Bible verse where I was like weeping on his feet and I, my hair was a mess and I could feel his skin on my face. And, and uh, I was like that for years, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you uh, like that, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I just couldn't shake the shame of it. It's like, yeah. it's actually only something that I spoke about publicly for the first time, actually at ALA, at Garland's thing, like a few months ago. Wow. Yeah, so it just was one of but those I, things. I that do think that that's what a lot of, like, even the Brownsville revival, I remember people would go up over and over again trying to get over shame. And yeah. some people would get resaved, or people would get that reca- So shame is such a huge, it's huge, huge bondage in the body of Christ so where people huge. don't have a right image of God. Yeah. And I love how God brought encounter to you to pull you out of it, to show you who you really were. Because yeah. I watched you go through that progression for a number of years and just different iterations of like uh, in your journey of, of different levels of maturity and growth. But I love yeah. that you're saying even that part, even more recently, you were able to share about it because there's that much victory now. Yeah, and I feel like I've gone through such a huge journey of God just really using that story. It's it's also, like I remember actually talking to Sarah one time. She was driving me to the airport for something and I don't know, it was like years later, five years later, and I'm really walking with God and da-da-da-da, and it still was there, you know. The way I saw it was it it was like, um, it was like I had a pair of braces on, and I would run, and the enemy was like, we both know who's holding this. Mm. And I'm going to let you run so far, but any time I want, I'm going to expose you. And he would pull it, and I would just be like, 
you know, I remember when Azusa Now was happening, Jen and Hona asked me to speak at this tent revival meeting, and that day, somebody posted, like, some explicit photo of me on a Facebook thing, and, you know, someone rang me and was like, this thing is on Facebook, and I was like, I was standing in North Hollywood, like, um, I'd actually just had a radical encounter with a woman because of the show, and, um, and I, I remember just, like, crying and being like, I'll never be free from this, like, one mistake, and... And uh, I remember sharing it with Sarah, and and she said, you know, Petey, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's got a past. Everyone's got stuff. And I was like, not everyone's mistakes are available on Netflix. Yeah. It's like really full on. It's really extreme. And what's really beautiful is now, I think since last September, I mean, it's been growing in my heart for a long time, but since last September, every second Friday, I do an outreach to um, the sex workers on... Um, Figueroa down at South Central, which is just, a, I, don't, I don't know if you've been there, but at midnight, every Friday and Saturday night, it's like Sin City. It's crazy. Wow. It's absolutely bonkers. You can't believe it until you've seen it. But it's interesting how all along you can be called to something and the enemy knows where the treasure is, yeah. you know? He just is... I remember even actually, you know, one time at Expression, you had said, you know, God's going to speak to you about what you're your call is and what your revelation... It was something like the revelation that you're carrying, you know, to bring on earth. And the first thing I heard was purity. And I thought the devil was mocking me. I was like, God would never use me to reveal purity. Wow. And I remember crying because I was like, the tormentor. And and it was the Lord, you know. Like, the more I've encountered, the more I've seen, the more things that I've experienced, like radical things that I've experienced with God physically, tangibly, in creation... um, and every time I'm like, why me? I don't understand. And the, the first time I asked him, he said to me, blessed are the pure wow. heart, for they will see. And I was like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sort of higgledy-piggledy. But anyway, so I got to LA and <laughs> um, it's been a huge journey since then because I, I mean, I feel like the, I, when I first got to LA, I actually came very close to a, a job. I sent off a tape, and the executive producer in New York loved the tape, and nudity was required for the job. And, and honestly, I have to say, I don't know if I could have really stood up to my brand new shiny American agent had I not lived through that on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, because of the understanding of the cost is so profound. It just doesn't really leave you, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so there's been a lot of no's. There's been, like, a lot of progressingly... The scope of the no's has really progressed particularly into this season. Um, and I, I feel like, ultimately, it, it always does actually echo back to that, like, what's the real cost? What's the real cost? Like, who owns you? Yeah. Really? Who owns you? Yeah. Well, I think, too, in, in entertainment industry specifically, uh, we watch this. Like, there's young people especially who they get brought out, and the, the level of an agent or a manager or anybody who could exploit you for cost, they'll do anything to get you to do whatever they want out of you. Yeah. And so just I love that you've actually walked through this journey because when you share it with people, it actually causes people who are in industries who haven't learned how to say no yet or who well, haven't learned the cost. It's so funny that you say that because even the other girls on the show who weren't, you know, whatever they believe and, you know, um, three other girls, when I said I'm, I'm not going to take the new contract, I'm, I'm going to leave the show because I feel this way and, you know, they all also left. <laughs> wow. Two other girls left and they were like, I feel like that too, I want to go too, I don't... I was just going to sign it because I thought we were just, that's what you, you know, we're all just in yeah. it. And so there is definitely, I feel like, you know, that even when you don't know that you're leading people, you're leading them. Yeah. Because they don't know there's another option until you present it. This is, it's so powerful. Yeah. I know, um, I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Kim Alexis here in Australia, but she was one of the top supermodels in the 80s. And I was talking to her about what was it like for you in the, she's a Christian, really strong Christian. And I said, what was it like for you in the 80s? Because in the 80s, every single one of the top supermodels had the pressure to be naked at some point, to do yeah. Playboy or to do whatever. And she said, she goes, I, was, I wasn't very mature in God, but I knew how to say no. I wouldn't even let a man dress me behind the scenes. It's very rare because usually yeah. men 
when you're on Fashion Week, you have to just be dressed by whoever. Yeah. She said, and I kept my standards really high. She goes, and I, and all I could think of is, if I do this and I ever have daughters, they're gonna go worse. Wow. I have to protect this for them and for God. So and she kept saying that over and over, like, I have to protect this, I have to protect so this. And she was able to protect that, but she also, I mean, she, she made her mistakes in life, but she, she was able to protect that. But she realized, like, if you don't know what you're protecting, you won't protect it. Wow. And, and she just said, I had this, like, inherent understanding of that value, but I, I didn't know necessarily how to give that away, but I knew how to protect it for myself. I just feel so like beautiful. there's some things that are happening in you that, you know, now that you're on this end, because, I mean, I've known Peter. She, like, has so much depth of maturity in God. You could feel it in her, I'm sure, right now. And I, I'm thinking about, like, when you first came, you were wide-eyed and... And, and you were just, like, everybody comes to the entertainment industry. Everyone comes to L.A. to get something. And you really have come now, in this season, you've come, and you're coming as a mother to give something. Yeah, definitely. And a real transition happened. Even recently, you had a God encounter. Was it in Pimba? Where you, like, God encountered your heart for the city of L.A. and for Hollywood? Yeah. I want to hear about that. Yeah, okay. So, um, oh. I guess I don't want to go too far back because of time, but I suppose I, it started actually in 2014, which was the year that I did the originals when we first spoke, um, not first spoke, but first spoke publicly. And um, that year God had said to me, this is the year of the Lord's favour. It's an open door year. And then I was like, oh, this is a new thing. So every year now I ask him, like, what's this year? I love that. <laughs> I Themes of the year, I'll I know. take it. And every year the theme has come to pass. Anyway, so at the beginning of 2016, I said, you know, God, what is 2016? What is this year about? And he said to me, this is the year of living dangerously, and uh, which is, I don't know, some of you might know, is a film that um, is set in Indonesia with Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver. And I'd actually studied it in high school, but I couldn't find it anywhere because it wasn't on Netflix. And I watched a few clips on YouTube, but it became the theme of my year. And wow. it was just this year of profound profound God encounter and profound encounter with, with people. And every time I saw somebody and I wanted to pray for them or I felt I had a word of knowledge for them or I wanted to pray for healing, most of the time, amazingly, I actually wasn't scared. It was just that kind of grace that year, you know, like kneeling down at the Trader Joe's in Studio City and like, you know, praying on people's feet and meeting people. That's and not normal to see that. It's not. Like, people people really don't know. Like, I remember being at the checkout once and being like, you've got to have a wristband on your hand. Like, what is that from? And um, the person saying, you know, repetitive movement and da-da-da. And I was like, can I pray for you? I've been radically healed physically, so I believe that God, you know, can do that and loves you and he wants to do it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, next Tuesday. Like, it's so off the grid. <laughs> People, they don't even, I was like, no, no, I said, can I pray for you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, the doctor is like, it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. And I was like, yeah, yeah, can I, can I please pray for you? Can I pray for your wrist? And uh, this guy was like, oh, yeah. People always say yes, yeah, by the way. they always say they yes. They always, always say, say yes. yes. And um, he was like, yeah, okay, sure. And um, anyway, I start praying for his wrist. And I don't really know what to pray except for this verse that, I really love because it's kind of my verse, I suppose, in a way. Um, all things, either seen and unseen, through him and by him and for him, I'm mixing them together, um, are reconciled back to innocence. Like everything. You know in Colossians 1 where it says, yeah. all things are, are restored back to original intent, reconciled back to innocence again. Because that's, that's me, you yeah. know. And... Um, and so that's always what I pray. I can't see what's happening inside your body. So the unseen things of your tendons and your cells and your whatever it is, be reconciled back to innocence. And um, he just goes, I feel hot. <laughs> I feel like, what is that? It's hot. What is that? And I'm like, that's the presence of God. And he's like, I have a hernia. Can you pray for that? Too? Oh, wow. <laughs> like just, I know, I that's know. It's awesome. just, it's just awesome. Like I, there's this one guy who always does the food samples things. He's got a ponytail. I think his name's Nick. Anyway. I know Nick. I've yeah, yeah. I've prayed for him. He's got gout. I've prayed for him a couple of times. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's really funny. Anyway, so just things like that where I was just like, oh, I'm scared now. And um, yeah. Anyway, so. Whenever I felt afraid, if something felt next level, I just would be like, oh, I don't think I want to do that one. And the Lord would say, it's the year of living dangerously. You cannot put a foot wrong. You set the boundary. And I was like, okay, well, let, 
put, um, see, God knows us. He knows that I'm a boundary pusher. <laughs> yeah. So he's, it's the right language for me, you know, and um, I like to go to the edge. And um, anyway, so it was just this year of just radical stuff. And, and actually the other thing that was really profound that year that really shifted the way I act, my creative process, the way that I am with people, it's kind of become like my life's ministry, even on set especially. It really opened my eyes to what I thought my call was, you know, because when you're called to actors in Hollywood and whatever, you can kind of immediately assume that you're called to the A-list or to yeah. the actors only. Or And actually most of the really profound stuff that's happened for me on set has been with crew. Wow. It's been with people who aren't used to being seen. Mm -hmm. And so that was the other thing that in 2016, as I was just meditating with the Lord at one point in a quiet time, he said to me, um, I, I'd read that verse, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And I was just sitting on it. I was just chewing on it for a bit. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> and, um, and then one day, I don't know, a week or so later, the Lord said to me, what is a pattern of this world that you can see that you would like to break? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> Isn't he cool? Yeah. Bomb.com, Jesus. <laughs> um, and so I said, um, I'll have a think about it. I don't know. And then I went, you know, I know what it is. There's a pattern that I've seen and I hate it. It's the pattern where we pretend that we don't see each other. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. We pretend. And mostly it's because we're afraid especially with people who are suffering disability or suffering pain or homeless. Like, it's just like, we don't know what to do. We feel uncomfortable. We're afraid. So we pretend we don't see it. It's really the pattern of this world. It's not God. Yeah. God sees. He says his eyes are going to and fro all the time. He's looking all the time. He sees everything. And I went, that's a pattern I want to break. I don't want to live, for, I don't want to live under that. I don't, want to conform to, I don't want to conform to that pattern and I want to break it in the world. And um, he was like, good, okay, cool, let's go. Wow. <laughs> and so I think the most radical thing that kind of happened that set me on this trajectory was I had three really profound encounters, one, right one after the other. The first was I was on my way to an audition. I walked into the building and as I walked into the building, I just felt like I have a word for that security guard because all the buildings in LA have... Um, security mm -hmm. at the bottom and um not all the buildings sorry where you go for auditions and stuff they always have security and uh I just I didn't have a word but I just felt I just went I have something for that guy I don't know what it is I went up to the audition and um finished the audition got in the lift and as I as I was walking into the lift I was like okay sha -da 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 -da, holy spirit give it to me <laughs> download give it to me nothing give it to me nothing um the lift is just going down I'm getting closer and closer to the the exit to go out of the lift and I'm like if you want me to speak to this guy give me a word and I'll do it you know but like give me a word and just nothing 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 but I can feel the presence of God burning wow. inside of me and I'm like I know I've got a word for this guy but I don't have a word for this guy what's going on this is intense and um so I <laughs> I'm exiting the lift like in slow motion waiting for the Lord <laughs> I just praying under my breath like come on God and um like, turn left. And the guy's looking at me. I'm like, hey, how you going? Like, listening, listening, listening. And, um, and nothing. And um, I just think, I, like, I just can't leave. And so I go over to the counter and I lean on the counter and I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> Thinking, God wants me to take the brave step and then he'll give it to me. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll take the step out. I'll go out into the discomfort. Nothing. <laughs> like, oh, like wow. your worst nightmare. And um, I'm like, nothing. And I think I had just seen Lauren Cunningham at a conference. I'm like a sponge. So anyone, anytime I hear anyone say anything, that's the next thing I do. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she had said something about don't make stuff up. Like don't, because you're uncomfortable or you feel awkward, put words in your mouth. Just wait. Oh, wow. Just wait. Don't be like, sha da 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 Like, just wait. So I'm here. So I think I'd seen her speak a couple of days before um, Evangelist Temple. And... So that's what I did. <laughs> it's like, hey man, how's it going? He was like, I'm good. And I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like, you, um, can I help you with something? And I was like, still nothing. Like, um, 
Because <laughs> <laughs> Lauren was like, don't mess with the word of God, you know? Like, wow. And I was like, it was really embarrassing. Anyway, then I just think like, oh, I don't know, just ask him if there's anything he needs. Do you, you know, is there anything you need? Actually, you know what? Is there anything you want? How's that? And he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like cynical immediately, like, what are you, what's your agenda? And I'm like, oh, well, I just feel like God really loves you and um, he's here. And if there's something you need or you want, I'd like to pray for you because wow. he probably is going to give it to you. <laughs> so is there anything that you need or that you want? And um, he's like, no, I'm good. No. I'm good. No, thank you. And I'm like, oh, because I so felt the presence of God. I was like, you're going to show up. Woo-hoo. And I was like, what? I was so sure he was going to say, yes, please help me. I know the smile. And um, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I'm good. But thank you for asking. And I went, okay. Well, then I, I guess I'll go then. And so I'm walking really slowly to the exit onto Wilshire Boulevard to these glass double doors. And um, I'm like, that was so weird, God, because I can still feel the presence of God burning. And, but no, nothing, like no pictures, no words, not even a feeling, like nothing. And uh, I go to put my hands up on the glass and he goes from the background, I mean, maybe just for my general well-being. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, what did you say? (laughs) I mean, if you really want to pray, you could pray for my general well-being. If you really want to, if it makes you feel good. And I'm like, I'll take it. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm going to pray for your general well-being like no one ever has. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so he's at his desk and there's a camera there. And I go, listen, I, I would really like to be beside you if that's okay. And I don't want you to get in trouble, though. Is it okay if I come around the desk? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. He's sitting on a, a chair, and I end up sitting on the floor. And, um, and I sit on the floor, and I introduce myself. His name's Michael. And still nothing. I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit, help me out. And um, so I close my eyes because I'm terrified because I have no word. And I'm um, just like, um, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for Michael. Because I'm doing the Lauren Cunningham. I'm like, I don't want to make stuff up, you know, I'm still <laughs> in the space. And then the Lord says, Open your eyes. And I go, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I open my eyes, and this guy is sitting in his chair like this, like staring at me. And uh, I'm like, Oh, God. <laughs> 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 Oh, if I felt afraid before, I feel really afraid now. I feel so vulnerable. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh my gosh, you can see me. <laughs> and uh, this is not all about seeing you. Like it's about allowing yourself to be seen as well. It's a space that God wants us to hold, you know, because he is I am. He's in the present. And that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is like people are so, as you said before, Sean, they're so profoundly trapped between the past and the future, Mm. especially artists. Like most people, actually, we're so caught in the shame of the past, the rejection of the past, the humiliation. I wish I'd done this. Why didn't I do that? (sighs) Or the pressure of the future or the delusion of the future or the... the, uh, That actually, if you can hold space for them to be in the present, that's where God is. He's in the present. And... um, Anyway, so he's looking at me, and I'm like, oh, and the Lord just says, tell him what you see. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, it was Holy Spirit, so I don't really remember what I said, but it was something about, I felt that he was very generous. And so I said something like, you know, I, I just see you in you. I see you, I think I started with. And, uh, and I see in you that you are really generous, and you don't know that you're a gatekeeper. And all these people are coming and going, trying to fulfill a dream, you know, in this building. And if not for the energy that you sit here with, like you actually have the power to shift how they enter and exit the building, which is a really powerful thing. And so I think I prayed something like, you know, I just pray that the Lord reflects that back to you, that multiplies it. And I saw some other things, and it was really basic stuff. And, um, oh, that's, that's what I forgot, sorry. As, as the Lord, after the Lord said, tell him what you see, I started to say things, and then he said, do not break eye contact with him. 
So the whole time I'm just looking in his eyes, like telling him stuff. And anyway, at the end of it, but he's got like no reaction. He's just like staring at me. And, um, and I finish and I'm, you know, pray, pray a blessing over him. And I'm kind of like finished, but not wanting to finish because I'm waiting for a reaction. <laughs> and he's just blank, like nothing. And I'm like, oh, this is a real dud. <laughs> this is a real dudsy, like not hitting any marks, like no response, no reaction. And anyway, I say amen. And he's like, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, now I'm really going to go. So I feel super awkward. Bye. I get up off the floor. <laughs> and as I'm walking away, he goes, that hasn't happened to me in 13 years. And I say, what hasn't happened to you? Someone hasn't prayed for you? Like, you haven't felt the presence? Like, what, what? That's very specific, 13 years. What is, what is that? And he says, um, 13 years, I've been, I got this job. I've been coming here, 7.30 in the morning. I leave at 6.30 at night. I sit here five days a week for 13 years. And that's the first time anybody's ever seen me. Thank you very much. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like crazy, right? Yeah. Dignity, like to see someone, you know, like I love that scripture in um, the Bible where it says, um, when Nathaniel declares Jesus the son of God, and he says, how did you know that? And Jesus says, I saw you yeah. sitting under the fig tree. It's really powerful when you can be in the present with people and see them it's obviously it's really powerful for me as an actor and um anyway so then I had this the next day I think it was or two days later I was buying a present um for Sarah actually and I'm buying her this birthday present I run out to put money in the meter and this homeless guy is like you know got any money and I'm like no I don't have any money but I have a credit card you did you say you're hungry and he's like yeah I'm so hungry I'm starving I haven't eaten for days and Anyway, I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, we're in Silver Lake. Throw a rock. You're going to find something to eat. Yeah. Let's go get some lunch. And um, so I'm walking with this guy, Steve. And um, I guess it's part of my DNA. It's part of what I do. I'm super curious. And I'm really into people's stories and how they got there. Not just where they came from, but like, how'd you get here? And so I start asking him, like, how'd you get here? You know, I never really had a deep conversation with someone in your position before, and how did you get here? Like, and uh, he starts telling me his story, which was a really fantastically gruesome story. Wow. Um, and for some reason, it was just the grace of God, I was able to listen and again not look away and just kind of take it in. It, it, it was really, really nasty story. And, you know, he had had to flee some very, very dark stuff since I think he'd been on the street since he was like nine or something, like decades on the street, this guy. And um, anyway, he finishes his story and I'm like, wow. And I just say, I'm really sorry that happened to you. And um, I know that God doesn't like that that happened to you. And he just says, thank you. He's like, thank you for listening. Most people can't listen to my story. And I'm like, okay, cool, man. We get to this taco stand. And um, I'm like, what do you want to order? And Oh, sorry, I had said, can I pray for you? So we're at the taco stand. I said, can I, pr can I pray for you now? And he says, oh, no, 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 no. Me and God, we've been enemies for a long time. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then he starts to walk away. And I'm like, hey, Steve, where are you going? And he's like, well, I don't want you to pray for me, so I'll be on my way. And I'm like, no, no. Lunch is not contingent on prayer. We're having lunch. It's cool. I just asked. You said no. It's fine. Let's have lunch. And uh, what do you want? You want, like, I don't know, tacos or whatever? And the whole time I hadn't noticed, but at this point he sort of says, I, I can't actually eat tacos. And I'm like, why? Are you vegan? Sorry, joking. <laughs> and um, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, he didn't have teeth, really. He, he was just like, he was like, I can't physically eat them because, he, you know, and then he showed me his teeth and um, he ended up ordering a burrito. Anyway, as we're eating lunch, I notice he is just so um, profoundly genteel, like just beautiful, almost oriental, like Japanese, you know, like this kind of, um, it reminded me of like a Clark Gable, like if you were sitting down with it, an old school gentleman, like a Gatsby or something. And I just couldn't stop seeing it. I was like, this guy is amazing. And he was so interesting. And, um, and then I just feel the Lord again say, tell him what you see. 
And I'm like, hey, Steve, I've got to tell you something. And he's like, yeah? And I say, I'm an, I'm an actress, I'm an artist. I, like, I mix with some pretty interesting people who know how to talk. But I've got to tell you, sitting here with you tonight, I, I feel like I understand why somebody coined the phrase, the art of conversation. Mm. Because I feel like you have a gift in the art of conversation. Like, you're so interesting, and da-da-da-da-da, and he gets this uh, tear in his eye and, you know, puts his hands on the table, and, and he just says, I was so hungry when I saw you. I hadn't eaten for, I don't know, seven, eight days. I hadn't had any food. I was starving. But sitting here with you today, I don't know what I was more hungry for, the food you bought me or the conversation that you're having with me. Wow. Like crazy, right? Because wow. as an actress, I know what it's like when I don't get to use my gift. It's tormenting. Yeah. It really hurts. It hurts. And here's this guy who has a gift in the art of conversation. Wow. And no one talks to him. It's like, it's so crazy. I'm, so, I'm totally digressing. Anyway, so it was the year of living dangerously. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that was happening every yeah. single day. And then eventually I go to Africa. I'm like, God, what do I do? And should I go to Africa? And he's like, it's a year of living dangerously. Your call. <laughs> like, I've got three days before the school starts. Can I raise $10,000, get a visa that normally takes two months? I don't know. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so I'm in Pemba. I have this profound encounter with God where he basically gives me his heart for Los Angeles. And um, I get back to Los Angeles. In the encounter, God had basically brought me back to LA. It was eight o'clock in the morning in Pemba. Heidi had just preached. Um, a guest speaker was playing piano. And I, I shut my eyes after what Heidi had prayed about the darkest places on earth. You know, who wants to go? Who's willing to die for these places? And, you know, people are putting their hands up for like the Sudan and Afghanistan and it's mission school with Heidi Baker. <laughs> and I'm like, in my heart, like, God, I, I don't need to be an actress. Like, I feel great. I totally give it away. And I don't need to go back to LA. Like, send me anywhere. And I really meant it, you know in my heart and in that moment I open my eyes and it's the middle of the night I'm standing on Franklin Boulevard out the front of the Magic Castle and I'm like oh oh my which gosh is a LA which place, is in LA yeah. and I can see all this stuff happening above the mountains it was really crazy and I'm like what is that and I hear the Lord say the land is locked against its will under wow. the weight of sin because I can see the mountains doing this weird thing I'm like the mountains behind the Magic Castle I'm like what is that and I can see this like almost like reverberation of like color and dust and I was like that's weird and and I hear that scripture and I'm like oh my gosh the land the land is locked oh my gosh like you know and then poof I'm gone and then I'm at the front of the Hollywood Towers poof I'm gone and then I'm somewhere else and there was some strategic places where God took me in this encounter and I opened my eyes again and, and the thing that brought me back in Pemba was I felt this incredibly um profound tearing um, through my center that can only really be described as like the tearing of the curtain of covenant of grief, which I had only experienced um, through divorce. And so I immediately was like, I wasn't divorced at that point, but I was going through that process. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember doubling over and wailing and just being like, because <gasps> the grief was so intense. And, um, and I just said, God, because I only had one thing to sort of, th that was familiar to me. So I immediately deferred to that and said, God, I give you my grief. I give you all of this. If there's any place in me that hasn't dealt with this properly, like I just give it to you. Like you have access to all the rooms in my heart. And, um, and he just said to me, this grief doesn't belong to you. And I went, well, what is it? Because it's in me. It's so profound and intense. And, um, and he said, this is my heart for Los Angeles. Wow. I have a covenant with the land. I have a covenant with the people, but I also have a covenant with the land. And it's being torn. And I was like, oh, this is so intense. And so I you know, said to you earlier that I, I feel covenanted to the land now completely. Anyway, so I go back to LA and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just go to those places. So I go to those places and I'm just walking around and, and um, I basically start praying this prayer of, I need a job in the land where I'm called. Because all the work I've done in America, you have to be in LA to audition. But then all the work is um, out, outside of LA. It's either in, you know, I've, some of the places I've worked, like Budapest, Atlanta, um, 
Vancouver. Like, they just shoot all over the place. And I just said, God, I need a job in the land where I'm called. Yeah. That's what I need. Anyway, I go to this audition um, a couple of weeks later. Mind you, I've been living supernaturally for a year. I had a, a Sabbath year. It was really incredible. Um, I didn't make enough money that year. I got my SAG statement. I didn't make enough money to pay my rent on paper. And I, like, went to Africa for three months. I came to Australia, like, lived. Awesome. Like, it was awesome. And um, anyway, so I go to this audition and I'm walking in. And this is for a guest star on a new show, new cable show. And I go in and I do the first scene and... They, the executive producer is in the room, and uh, I really admired this guy. He was like the EP on like the West Wing, and like a real pioneer, and really shifted a lot of the landscape of where brought us into where we are now in television, like this platinum age that we're in, with people like him that pioneered mm. television as a respectable medium. And um, anyway, so he's in the room, and I'm like, first scene. He doesn't work with me. Doesn't say anything. He's like, great. Let's see the second scene. And I'm like, dang it. Okay. I do the second scene. It's like, great, let's see the third scene. I'm like, oh, because he's not, you know, working with me. And I'm like, oh, bummer. This is a bummer. Okay. Um, oh, actually, before I do the third scene, I had a question. I ask the question, like, is it like this? Is it like that? You know, because it's the CIA, it's the 80s, and for a woman to be in this position, like, but then I don't want to play the stereotype, so what is it? Like, you know, whatever question I ask. And he goes, great question. And he starts talking, and then he goes, I've confused you. I'm sorry. And I go, no, 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 I'm following. And he goes, I can see that you're confused. It's okay. I didn't direct you properly because he, he had gone on a bit. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like that. And I'm like, okay. Um, he goes, how do I say this? It's the year of living dangerously. Oh. <laughs> and I go, huh? <laughs> what did you just say? And he goes, it's the year of living dangerously. Do you know what that means? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like... I had no idea what he meant for the acting, but I go, I know exactly what you mean. Because uh, I just felt the presence of God, because it's a prophetic word, so it activates the presence that of God. It was nuts. Like, this is one that, you know, earlier I was like, I don't know what story to tell because there's so many of these. Um, but anyway, I, it's really funny, actually. God's so funny. I, I immediately am like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel the presence of God because I've acted with the Lord before. And immediately I'm just like, I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> and then I just like completely fumble the lines. <laughs> wow. I'm like, whoa. Terrible. And I feel so, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening because I'm like floating on a cloud in the presence of God while I'm working. And then I just fell. And I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. I can't believe you did, I did that. And he says, don't even worry about it. Those last few lines, like CIA speak, we're not even going to have them in the episode. We're going to cut them. Hey, I want to ask you something though. Because when I go to an audition in America, I always stay in accent, as in American accent, right from the beginning. As soon as I enter the room, I'm in an American accent. And um, he says, um, where are you from? And I go, oh, rats. Did you hear my accent? Did you hear? Did I do something wrong? And he goes, oh, you're Australian. No, I had no idea. Your accent's flawless. It's just, I can tell you're not from here. Wow. And immediately I just know I'm not a citizen of this earth. And he could feel it. Wow. Because the presence of God is in the room. You know, one of my favorite kind of chapters in First Peter where it talks about when we gaze into the mirror of divine romance out of that place, worship ignites. So you can go into these places and have done it multiple times in studios. So ironically, I was in Paramount, like right where I, God had taken me. And, and you can ignite worship and people don't even know what's happening. You bring wow. them into the presence of God and they can feel it. They don't, know, they don't have a language for it. And I know what he's saying, but just to confirm it, he says to me, um, it's just that you're so incredibly other. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, this is crazy anyway. And he said, it's just like, you're so present. You're so here. You're just wow. so present. No one is this present. I mean, like, what? So beautiful. I get the job. They end up writing me in for another number of episodes. Like, beautiful things happen on set that I don't have time to talk about. I'm sure I don't have time to talk about. Um, but really... Yeah, I mean, it's your lead. No, I, oh, I love this. <laughs> well, let's thank Fida. <laughs> the best thing about deep people 
as you just can't get enough. And I know we can go on for a lot longer, but wasn't that beautiful? Isn't that incredible stories? So could you do us a favor, though? Could you pray for everybody? Just pray and activate what you're kind of walking. Let this be their year of living dangerously. Let's pray that over them. Because what a full circle story. Amazing. Yeah, let's do it. Whatever you want to do. I don't know. Jesus, Holy Spirit. Okay. (laughs) We could be here for a while. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, God, I just pray that. I just release that word. I thank you for what I've lived. One of the things I really had on my heart was that um, I lived so much of my life genuinely feeling disqualified. And so I just want to release here um, a spirit and a heart, the heart of God that never has enough of you. He will not stop. Just like chances, and I think that's the story of my life is grace. So just release grace. I release grace for the year of living dangerously. I release grace for everything of the past to be gone and done. I release grace for the rest of your process, for the crucible of your process. One of the beautiful things that the Lord said to me when I was like, I can't take any more, like my heart, my I can't. He said, this is the crucible that I've designed for you to bring you into my likeness. Wow. Will you stay in it? And so I just released the grace to stay in the crucible, to stay inside that pot where you're being formed into gold and the boldness and the braveness to just be human, to just be a human being here on earth at this moment in time, to be everything you've been called to be, and also to just be yourself, to be free from perfectionism, to be free from performance, to be free from the things of your past, and also to be free from your own expectations of the future. I release you to be present with yourself, with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, in the fullness of each of those individual identities and with other human beings who are also on this crazy, nutty planet revolving around in the solar system. I release you into love to love humans to see how strange they are, stranger than you. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I want to encourage you to continue the conversation with us online at www.bowlesministries.com. We have exciting resources, e-courses, books, even children's materials to help you grow in the prophetic and go on a continuing journey of hearing God's voice. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate and tell all your friends. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together.